So I don't really know what to title this other than Dissinger. And for some of you, that that name might have some significant meaning, and for other people, not as much. So I was the recipient of the Dissinger Award, which is an award that is given out to junior and senior faculty, two separate awards, um, who are who have demonstrated outstanding performance as a teacher and a mentor, and overall, what I would like to think, it's implicitly written, uh, an overall good contributor to the overall campus community. And so, as far as I know, historically, it has not been awarded to a first-year faculty member, at least dating back to 1997. I'm going to have the archivist at North Central uh, uh, dig up all the data on that and see and see if I'm wrong. But uh, I, I, it's really hard to talk about this award because I am overwhelmed in terms of being the recipient of such a, at least specific to our campus, a prestigious award. And so there, you know, there are a lot of talking points. There are a lot of people that I, I could thank or I, I should thank. Um, but but I, what, what I'd like to do and, and what I think is probably the most helpful is explain what could be the big difference in terms of rationale as to what people think about when they think of, of awards and when they think about the likelihood or probability of awards. And the way that I think about an award like this is that to even be in the same conversation as some of my colleagues who were presumably uh, finalists or semifinalists, however the structure is, for this award, um, just to be even mentioned with some of them is absolutely incredible. I was sitting next to, and if you've listened to the podcast, you've listened to hopefully the episode with Dr. Lindsay Wexler. And so I was sitting next to... Uh, Lindsay and I was sitting next to Dr. Jenny Shaw, who's a, another professor of education, who I actually record a podcast with, and it, the file got corrupted, and so I was never able to actually publish it, unfortunately, after trying to get it fixed. But as I was sitting next to them, the provost GP was reading off the quotations from students who had nominated this faculty, being me, I didn't know it at the time, but who had nominated this person. And he was very purposeful to use very gender-ambiguous terms. So he would say, a quote from a student reads, this professor X, Y, and Z. This professor did this, or this professor helped me in this way. And so he did multiple iterations of that. This professor, so-and-so. This professor did this. This professor did that. And at the final reading, the final quotation, which is the grand reveal, uh, the provost read, he, being the professor, did this and this and this. And my first honest-to-God reaction was, crap, that stinks. I was really pulling for Jenny or Lindsay to have, to have been the recipients of the award. And then he said, this is professional communication. And it, and it was me. And I had that, I had a very visceral reaction to it because I didn't think, not that I don't think that I'm deserving of the award, but I just didn't think that I would, I would receive it. I don't know. It's it's a very surreal experience because you typically don't get into uh, teaching in general if you're you know, hungry for the accolades and the awards. You do it because you love it, and you do it because it's something that's meaningful to you and that you have a profound impact, or at least can potentially have a profound impact on people's lives. So that's what I felt. I felt I felt bad that my colleagues didn't get it, um, and I never thought that I was a recipient until he said, as a professor of communication, and it became clear that it was me. And the reason that I tell that story is to highlight a very important consideration. 
And that consideration is that I think, I am confident, that I am deserving of the award. Do I think that I should be the winner? I don't know. I waffle back and forth, yes and no in, in some ways, because I've seen the impact that my colleagues have had. And so ultimately it just becomes a numbers game, right? And this is something on Monday, the 20th of May, so yesterday, at least when I'm recording this, I took my students to a tour of a public relations firm downtown called Edelman. And our tour was absolutely amazing. And on the on the Metro Ride home, on the Metro Ride back to Naperville, we were just talking about internships and, and what they can do. And I told them that it's it's just a numbers game with internships. That after a certain point, you've done all the things that you could theoretically conceivably do. You filled out all of the applications. You've completed your coursework you've put together your portfolio maybe you put together a website maybe you wrote a couple cover letters and then you just it's just a numbers game you just have to wait and maybe sometimes you get quote-unquote lucky and you get a an interviewer or somebody in hr who's reviewing the applications on a good day sometimes you don't sometimes you get them on a bad day and someday sometimes you get them on a neutral day and i feel as though just being in the quote room where it happens just being in the conversation in general is the best that you can do, and then you just live with the results. You know, being, and I, and I say this, and it's easy to say as the recipient of this prestigious award, just to be nominated with those other people that I personally know and I've seen teach and I've seen do incredible things within their disciplines and the community, just to be nominated is good enough. And again, I understand I, I won the thing, so it, it might come off as disingenuous or you know, purposefully humble in some ways, but... It, I think in a lot of ways my ultimate consideration when teaching isn't for the award, but it's to be as good as I can be. And if that does make me eligible for an award, then I just have to play the numbers. You know, I, If I'm in the conversation for five years in a row, I just give myself the best conceivable chance to even be nominated, uh, yet alone to be a finalist, yet alone to be the recipient of the thing. And I think a lot of that is, is what my students and other people, not just you know undergraduate students, but people in general, don't understand about sort of the, the quote-unquote game of the workforce or the game of promotion or the game of tenure is that a lot of it just boils down to you've done everything you possibly can. You have to make sure that you are are just in the, in the running, in the conversation. And if you get to that point, you're probably in pretty good hands. Now, I didn't prepare a speech because, again, I didn't know that I was going to win. But if I did have time for a speech... I would probably say something to the effect of this. In my syllabus, and in any syllabi that you ever see of mine, there's a subheading called the human condition. And I'll I'll paraphrase what that subheading includes. But the basic sentiment of the subheading is that I, as a faculty member, am here for the student as a human first and a student second. And that I will do anything in my power aside from murder, although that bit's negotiable, to help that student. Again, as a human first, a student second, in that very, very, very specific order. And I think sometimes, in education in particular, we get so bogged down by best practices and learning objectives and the rigor of the course. Is this challenging enough? Are we doing all the right things? That we sometimes lose sight of the idea that there are humans that are struggling, that are humans that are trying their best and sometimes fall a little short, and that our job isn't to you know, put our foot 
on their neck as they're as they're on the ground suffering trying to stand it's to try to figure out how we can balance those two worlds together and that became very very apparent at least reinforced that sentiment yesterday on the agency tour when i i was able to get my students outside of the confines of the classroom and into the city and just walk around and talk with them and get lunch at chipotle and have Starbucks with them and, and wait in the lobby and take you know an hour each way on the train and just get to talking with them, not about the business, but about their lives, about my life, about, you know, they a lot of students were, were asking me questions about what I was like as an undergraduate student or what I, how I got into this and did I always know that I want to be a teacher? And usually when we're working within the, you know, hour and a half, two hour class lecture format, um, we have so much time allocated for activities and not as much time allocated for just getting to know the faculty member in a lot of ways that is the impetus for this podcast anyway that's about nine ish minutes of me rambling i i don't i didn't have a coherent structure in mind for this particular podcast i just wanted to talk it out and thanks for listening and hopefully um the next guest that we have in my opinion is one of the more interesting ones that i'll probably ever get So I'll talk to you all soon.